So I manage theirs as well as part of the turnkey. So right now we manage about, and we sold some off. So I manage 162 homes right now, I think, in Gary. So how are you managing, property managing 162 homes across country and you're not physically there? You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, great state of Arizona. Hello, Azria members. How are you guys doing today? I have my co-host. Mike Delpre. What's up? And I am Marcus Maloney, and today we are here with an out-of-state investor, but he hails here from Arizona. We are here with Greg Slaughter. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing fantastic. Hey, everybody. Welcome, all welcome. All right. Welcome, Greg. So, guys, buckle up your seatbelts. If you're 30,000 feet in the air, relax yourself, kick your chair back, let your trade tables down. We're just going to have a great conversation with Greg Slaughter on today. So, Greg. Tell us, man, give us a little bit of background about you for those who do not know. Well, I've been in investing in real estate since 1999. Actually, I went to my first real estate conference when I was 19 years old in 1986. But uh, there was a 13-year gap before I got my first rental property in 1999. I was with uh, Corporate America for 19 years with McDonald's Corporation. Wait, before you do that, why why the 13-year gap? Was it just you just wasn't ready or... Well, I was 19 years old. I looked like I was 14 years old. <laughs> okay. And fresh out of high school. And uh, you go to your first conference, you're going to conquer the world. So I was going to go become a millionaire. And uh, it's actually kind of a funny story. So it was a nothing, it was a Robert Allen nothing down. Now, back then in 1986, ro- nothing down was new. I mean, nowadays everybody knows nothing right, down. Right. But back then, this was an entirely new concept. And so. I left that conference. I went to go try to buy something, nothing down. The first thing I went, the first place I went was to a real estate office because back then they didn't have MLS, wasn't online or anything. Mm-hmm. You had to actually go mm-hmm. look at the phone book. So I walk into this office and again, I look 14 years old. So I, I call them older ladies, but they're probably in their 30s because okay. I was so young. <laughs> and I went in there and told them I was going to buy a house for nothing down. Long story short, they threw me out of Get that place out so out fast. Yeah, it was like it was like the movies where they pick you up and they throw you out the door. That's pretty much what it was. So then I figured out, I was like, oh, I can't buy something because I look so young and nobody's going to take me seriously. Mm-hmm. So I actually grabbed the newspaper. Yes, we had newspapers back then and started looking through the for sale by owner section. Okay. And I said, you know what, maybe I could just put a deal together over the phone. And I actually did. So I put together a deal over the phone so the owner never saw me. But it wasn't a hundred percent nothing down. I, I can't remember exactly how much I needed, but I think it was a couple hundred bucks. It okay. wasn't a wasn't a whole lot of money, but I didn't have the money because I just spent all my money on this conference. On the conference, right? <laughs> None of my friends had money because well, they were they were college, right? They're right, drinking, right. And they're drinking their money, and so I couldn't come up with the money. I couldn't put the deal together, and I got so frustrated that I just kind of put all my energy and efforts into into McDonald's at the time because I was offered to run my own McDonald's restaurant. And I was like, well, I'll just save money and buy real estate that way. So that's why there was a 13-year gap. So Okay, gotcha. So tell us about your, so pre-real estate, you worked for McDonald's and kind of give us that quick little backstory. Okay, so it's the only application I've ever filled out in my life. So I need, my parents said, you want to drive, get a job. I went and got a job at McDonald's. 
in six months, I was a shift manager. And then it, it, within a couple of years, I was my own, I was a store manager running my own McDonald's restaurant and just kind of worked up the ranks. When I retired to do real estate full time in 2002, I was a training consultant slash business consultant was I was responsible for the southwestern part of the United States and all the franchisees and their their man and their staff and management team. So I, okay. I did a lot of the training and that kind of stuff. So I'm sure that you were big on systems, working with McDonald's <laughs> and everything like that, correct? 100. That's all I know is systems. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm like, that's almost like my nickname, the systems guy. <laughs> Drives my wife crazy, but everyone else seems to like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm similar. I'm not sure if you are, Mike, but it's like when I get ready to do something, I need to have a process for it. Hey, how is this going to accomplish this end goal? And then, yeah, so. 100%. Plus, I'm Stephen Covey. I was a Stephen Covey facilitator. So gotcha. I certified Stephen Covey. So you always begin with the end in mind. mind so yep. those seven habits are ingrained in my being as I used to teach that for two, three years. You see as the well. passion. He's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but it works. Yeah. I mean, it works. Only thing is that some people, if they have that analytical mind, they can get too stuck on the process and never take the necessary actions needed. Absolutely. See that all the time, unfortunately, in this business, yep. too. Yep. So can you do like a, a myth busting question for me? Sure. For me. <laughs> so everyone says, oh, McDonald's is a real estate business. They're not a burger business. Is that true or not? Yes, they are definitely in the real estate all business. Right, cool. Just wanted to get it clear. Yeah, they're a real wow. estate business all the way. At the time, I don't know what the stats are now, but at mm -hmm. the time, they're the number two real estate holder in the world, second only to the Catholic Church. So I'm not sure if that still holds today, mm -hmm. but back when I retired, they were the number two real estate wow. holder in the yeah. world. What did you learn from about real estate when launching these locations and stuff? Did you learn anything about real estate while you're opening these McDonald's? Well, I worked. I didn't work in the real estate department, so uh -huh. I worked with the real estate department. So I got to work with them because I, I worked with the franchisees. So I did get to participate in how they pick their lots and what lots they would go for. So I got a little introduction into that. That's cool. But I was really more on the operation got side. It. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. So how did that transition happen? to into being real estate full-time come on great okay so i was born and raised in arizona i love arizona so through mcdonald's though i got relocated to las vegas so i lived in las vegas for five years running all the restaurants there and stuff and so i wanted to get back to phoenix i eventually got relocated back to phoenix that's how i ended up in phoenix but how that got me started in real estate again is because the house that i had in las vegas we didn't need to sell it so I kept it. So that was our very first rental property was a home in Las Vegas when we relocated to Phoenix. Once I got that first rental property, all my passion, all my energy that I knew I wanted to do real estate since I was 17 years old, all that just came back. And literally within a couple of months, it was like I knew this was my future and I needed out. And I literally gave McDonald's Corporation a one year notice telling them I'm leaving and I'm doing real estate full time. And that was in 2001, and I left I left McDonald's in 2002 and been wow. doing real estate full-time ever since. Did, did you buy any real estate in that year? Yes. from 19, So 1999 is when we relocated Phoenix, mm -hmm. and then I started buying other rental properties. So I think when I retired in 2022, I think we had four or five rentals. Cool. So we were doing the old style, the old-fashioned way, just save some money, buy it. Back okay. then, you could do put 10 20 percent down whatever it was at the time and then finance it so we were doing that okay awesome so over 20 years experience in real estate kind of bring us up to speed now because i know you have numerous doors you're investing out of state how did you go from being investing in arizona 
to moving out of state? Well, out of necessity, actually. So what happened was, is that we did, so I retired in 2002, real estate full-time from 2002 to 2006. That's when I started doing all kinds of things in real estate. And we were doing extremely well. And in fact, I thought we were retired. You know, we were, we had like a $1.4, $1.5 million net worth and we were doing well. My wife and I took a month off. We went and traveled Europe. We thought we were pretty much retired. Well, then we all know what happened <laughs> shortly yep. thereafter. Mm -hmm. The market crashed, and I realized that, uh, one, I wasn't retired, and number two, I probably needed a better investing strategy. So I was doing some things well, but I wasn't focusing 100% on cash flow. I was focusing on, I was doing some flips. I was doing some other things as well. And uh, basically, we ended up bankrupt. So I had to file for bankruptcy in 2010. Because okay. we, we tried to hold on. We were trying to do the right thing for two right. to three years and just draining our savings until we were broke and couldn't do it anymore. And then, uh, so I filed for bankruptcy. Once I came back out of the bankruptcy and that was discharged on April 12th of 2011, I'll never forget that date. So okay. that's the date it was discharged. And then I started flipping homes and got back into real estate. I was making really good money, but I was like, I want to retire on cash flow. And if I keep buying homes here in Phoenix, it's too expensive. I mean, even back then, cause I'd right. still have to mortgage everything. So then my strategy was, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna flip houses here in Phoenix, make good money. I'll still pick up a rental here and there, but then I'm gonna take my profits. I'm gonna buy rentals in the Midwest cause they're so cheap and I could pay for cash. And then they, they're gonna cash out from day one. Cause what I've learned is rentals don't really cash out until they're free and clear, unless yeah. you got a huge spread, which most people don't cause they over leverage. Right, right, and that right. was one of them. It's perfect, you know, because I was telling people, people always ask me similar thing. Hey, you know what? You're doing deals here in Arizona. What are you doing with the money? And I, I, same thing. I take the money and I go back and I buy rentals in the Midwest because they can cash flow. So and Mike, you're you're using a similar strategy as well. So, mm -hmm. guys, if you're listening, I guarantee you out of the three people that you have here on these microphones, I think we're doing something right. Right. <laughs> It was the best decision I ever made. I yeah. know that for sure. My cash flow, I mean, has skyrocketed since then. I would have never been able to get that here in Phoenix. Yep. That's true. So, so when you you mentioned the the bankruptcy or doing the right thing, looking back at now, you can look back ten years, whatever. Do you think that was the right thing? Like, the, uh, you know what I mean? Like, because some people would go start saying it's a business decision and. That's a that was a big time, man. You know, hit a lot of people. So that's really tough to answer because I yeah. think, I guess, morally and ethically, mm -hmm. I guess mm -hmm. for me personally, it feels like it was the right decision, but financially, it was not. So it was the smarter decision financially would have been to just do what everybody else did, just dump everything that I had, take the cash that I had, and just start rebuying properties. I'd be in a lot better position if I would have done that. So there you go. if Good that lesson. comes up again, I mean, it never will because I got cash flow now and I don't have to worry about it. I, mean, I don't no. care what the economy does now. It can yeah. crash and I'm still good. Mm -hmm. But if I were to ever give any advice or whatever, that would be my advice to people because mm -hmm. it, it would have been so much easier and yeah. so much shorter length of time of pain and suffering <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and much quicker recovery. Yeah, man. So to kind of jump backwards, just because we, because I was mentioning earlier, Marcus went to Tucson with Greg and he told me a lot of cool stories, but there was one story I think that'd be very, very fun or a good learning lesson for everyone listening is when you started, I think it was as a real estate agent, right? How you jumped, was it? And you, yes. like, you built a team. Yes. And then, so that was, that, that still sticks with me. We want, we want to share that? Yeah. So when I, when I left in 2002, I knew that I needed to replace my income because mm -hmm. I didn't want, I did not want to just go in there 
and be dependent upon deals to it, that just was not going to work. Plus, my wife wasn't on board. Actually, she wasn't <laughs> on board of me leaving corporate America anyway. That's a whole nother story. That that uh -huh. almost caused a divorce. So, but and but the yeah. time I didn't care. I was like, you either get on the bus or get off because right, I'm right. not. I'm this is the this is my life now. So, but uh, I need to replace my income. So I was like, okay, what's the quickest and easy way for me to replace my income? So I decided to become a real estate agent. So I went and got my real estate license. And then as soon as I left, I started a team and I started mm -hmm. doing real estate right off the bat just so I could make some income. But I, I think I told you the story. Tell about, about the team, the, like the, how you built it. Yeah, and, so, yeah. so, so I came, I'm systems guy, I come from mm -hmm. McDonald's. So I knew I was going to be building a team. So it was very funny. Literally the day I got my real estate license and my wife got it with her. I said, okay, we're going to start meeting every Thursday. At two o'clock, I think it was two o'clock, something like that. We're going to start meeting every Tuesday at two o'clock, every Thursday at two o'clock. She's like, well, it's just the two of us. I go, no, right now we're going to start right. the system. So we're going to be meeting every Thursday at two o'clock. So just get used to this. The very next thing, the second thing I did is I put an ad out for an assistant. So we hired an assistant and my wife's like, why are you hiring someone? We don't have any business. <laughs> uh -huh. We don't know what we're doing. I was like, no, 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 no. We're going to have a business. This is a business. And I, and this is the first right. thing we got to do. So that's what we did. So literally within 48 hours, we were running ads and had meetings from, from wow. getting a license. We hired that's somebody cool. like a week later. Her name was Maria. She was with us for a couple of years. But yeah, so I remember our very first meeting the next, the first week she started, it was just the three of us. And Kim mm -hmm. still, she's like, I still don't understand why we're having meetings then. But no, because as we built the team, it was just, it was just part of the right. cycle, part of the process. It was just the system. So was, that, that, like we always talk about in these conversations, like you didn't get your ducks in a row kind of thing. You're, you just knew what needed to be done. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing, man. You knew where you were going and you said, you know what, let's start laying the foundation now. And then that way, once everything built up, the foundation is already laid. So it's now we could just run. Right. Exactly. So I already knew it. I began with the end in mind, yep. Stephen Covey. I knew what the end in mind was. I knew what the process was going to be. So that's we. the quickest way to get there was this is what we needed to do. Yep. And, and how many deals did you guys close your first year? Okay, so so I started, okay, so I left April 30th was my last day in corporate mm -hmm. America. I took the month of May off. I actually went to San Diego Beach. I hung out on the beach by myself for like a week, created the business plan and all that kind of stuff. Started June 1st. Between June 1st and December 31st, actually for the first four or five months, we did like one or two deals. The month of December, we ended up doing like 14 deals in one month because I had built it all up. So mm -hmm. I made more money in six months than I did in corporate America for a year. And I did that for six months. So I did 16 deals that first six months. The next year, the first calendar year, we did 100 and it was 114. So I did 114 real estate deals my first year in the business. There you go. Isn't that a cool story? Yeah. I was like, we can't skip over it. Yeah, no, can't gloss over that. So guys, the book we keep referencing is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Go out, listen to it on Audible, buy the book, whatever. It's good. It'll change your dynamic when it comes to goal setting and things like that. Absolutely. Can't recommend enough. Another book I'd highly recommend if you're into systems or want to learn systems or how to systemize your business is The E-Myth by Michael yep. Gerber. Yep. That's a must read. That's like the Bible of systems. So you, you got to check that book out if, if you want to check out systems. There you go. So do you need to be like a, is it visionary or systems first? Wow, that's tough. So <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm not trying to. I, we said these are easy questions, yeah. Craig. <laughs> the ideal situation is to have a partner or something, and have, so you have mm -hmm. both, and you just understand what your roles are. Yeah. But most entrepreneurs are more visionary yeah. than they are systems by far and away. So I'm in the minority, but I have trained myself to be the visionary, so I can do that. Okay. 
but I'm really more of the ops guy at heart and mm -hmm. who I am in, in, in core. Got so, it. you know what? I'm, I'm really not sure. That's kind of mm -hmm. where I'm torn because I'm a visionary, but I like the ops that's going to lead up to the successful vision. Right. So it's, it's knowing that that thin line between where does the vision and the dreaming stop to right. putting everything into place. Yeah. Well, you, most true visionaries that have no operations, those are the ones that skip from thing to thing to thing. So they'll start something, they may even get it going a little bit, but then, oh, it's off to the next new exciting thing. Yeah. So, so if you're one of those individuals, you need to get the Michael Gerber book. You need to get mm -hmm. systems or partner up with somebody because that's where the challenge is. Yep. Love yep. it, man. You got it. So, so I, I know it took us back a little bit, but so now you're, where were we at? So we were at in Phoenix, you're going out to Indiana. Was yep. that where we were at? Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's how, so I, so I was flipping properties here, making mm -hmm. money. And then I ended up buying yep. properties in the Midwest. I actually started in Missouri first oh, because wow. of a friend. I had a friend there that lived there. He and his wife I'd known for years and his kids. And, and he had a, he, he was a real estate agent, had an REO office. So he dealt with a lot of REOs. He had a property management company and he had a, a rehab company. So I was like, all right, this is a friend of mine. He's the one that actually introduced me to the Midwest. Uh, when I was thinking about it, he, he'd been telling me for years about these cheap houses. You could buy them for mm -hmm. $20,000 and they'll rent for, at the time, 600, 650 bucks. I never believed him. I was born and raised in Phoenix, you know, right. <laughs> what are you going to buy for $20,000 and stuff that's going to rent for this? What is it? A shed in somebody's backyard? Mm -hmm. Right. So, but at this point in time, I, I was desperate for, I need cash flow. So I gave him, I gave Mark a call and I just point play, asked him like, like, Hey, is this for real? He said, yeah, it's for real. Why don't you come out and check it out? I literally hung up the phone, booked a flight. I was out there that weekend, checked out the houses. What part of Missouri was it? St. Louis. Okay. So St. Right. Louis, Missouri. I bought five houses literally that weekend for $100,000. Nice. So wow. now, unfortunately, that turned out to be a disaster. So I learned some lessons there. So that was my why, first. Why, what, what were some of those lessons? <laughs> you, can't, you can't gloss over that. <laughs> okay. So, so, some of, so what happened was, so I bought these houses. Six months later, I think two out of the, six were, two out of the five were rented. Three out of the five weren't even rented in six months. Okay, out of the two, like that month, neither one of them had paid. And then we ended up having to evict one. And that's when I learned the difference between a landlord-friendly state and a non-landlord-friendly state. Because all my properties up to that point had been in Arizona and Nevada, and both were very landlord-friendly right. states. Mm -hmm. Now I always knew California was a whole other world. I was never going to invest there because you can't evict anybody ever right. there, right? So, But I didn't realize it was that's the majority of the country. I didn't know that at the time. Mm -hmm. So... When somebody's getting evicted and they know they're going to be there for four months, man, they were tearing. I mean, that house was a disaster because yeah, wow. they're just, they don't care anymore, right? They're having a party every week. I mean, they're tearing right. us up. So that was a disaster. So that's why I ended up having, I ended up selling all five. It took me like two years to liquidate those five properties. But okay. I wasn't going to give up because I knew I wanted more properties in the Midwest. So I was like, I just got to find landlord-friendly state. So I did some research at the time. This was 2014. Wait, wait, wait Greg. What happened to your friend that was managing everything and <laughs> taking care of stuff for you well we still see each other here and there talk here and there but uh, i mean we're still friends but it just didn't work out business business wise, wise. So, okay. i mean it was a strain there for a little bit obviously so but gotcha. um, but some of it's my own fault because i didn't do my research yeah. so it was just like he's my friend i trust him that kind of stuff so okay so to him he's used to that kind of stuff but to me i wasn't so it's just different we didn't begin with the end in mind right, mm -hmm. right, <laughs> we, right. Weren't, we weren't on the same page okay so i'm thinking so somebody doesn't pay i get them out in two weeks i mean that's right. what i'm thinking it's like not four months so 
did my research, find out at the time there's only six landlord-friendly states, what I consider to be landlord-friendly states in the country, which is my definition is they don't pay rent. I can evict them in two weeks. That was my okay. definition, right? So there's only six of them. Indiana happened to be one of them. That's how I ended up being in Indiana. Okay. Do you remember the other, the other five people? Oh, wow. That's, I think... I should have looked it up before I came here. Right? That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but if you just Google, literally, if you just Google landlord-friendly states, they'll pop up. But what they'll say, well, at least at the time I haven't looked recently, they'll actually tell you there's like 14, 15, or 16. Yeah. But they can. a lot of people consider landlord-friendly states from a mortgage point of view, not just from a renter's point of view. So you really got to dive in and look at that and use your own definition. But my definition is don't pay rent, I evict. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. That's my definition. Gotcha. So there were six. I think I think Kentucky was one. I think Georgia was one. Don't quote me. I could be yeah. wrong, but I think just Tennessee off the top of my head, might be Tennessee and Ohio. Well, it, I think the website's Avil, A V A I L dot co, and it'll tell you which ones are landlord and uh, there tenant. you go. There you so go. Mike. I think that's, that's why we got you around. Yeah, man. there you go. <laughs> but then again, go, go deeper. Even with me, I was like, oh, when we chose Cleveland, landlord friendly, but. It's landlord friend, friendly in the Midwest, <laughs> right, right. like you said. It's nothing like Arizona or Nevada, so there's still learning curves as for myself. Right. So yeah, you had a criteria that which we go back into your investor identity, who you are as investor, and you you look for what you know we wanted. So right. Okay. Absolutely. So Indiana. Did you know anybody in Indiana? Not a soul. Didn't know anybody in Indiana. Didn't have a banker in Indiana. Didn't have a property manager in Indiana. Okay. So. Greg from Phoenix is now going to invest across the country in Indiana just because it's a landlord friendly state. Yeah, and the and I could buy properties for cash. That's going to cash flow, assuming okay. that, assuming they rented and paid rent. Okay, gotcha. So how did you find that that first property? Well, ironically, I so, okay, so I was I did some research. I was looking for property. I was about ready to pull the trigger and buy some property in in, in Indianapolis. At the time, a speaker came through as Rhea, ironically, mm -hmm. and spoke from stage. And his story was very similar to mine that he shared on stage. So he was like, I was doing very well in real estate and I'm applying for bankruptcy, lost everything. I had to move into my parents' basement. And then I wanted to buy, I was flipping houses. I wanted to buy in cheap houses. So I'm buying in Indiana and I'm, I'm buying in this town in Gary, Indiana. I never heard of Gary, Indiana. I had no clue what Gary, Indiana was, but he just basically said it from stage. And I'm like, wow, his story sounds familiar. And he's trying mm -hmm. to do the same thing I am. Mm -hmm. So I literally waited in the celebrity theater until everybody cleared out. I was the very last person there. And I went and spoke to this individual and more or less became friends with them and we communicated back and forth and and ultimately i ended up flying out to atlanta to meet him because he lived in atlanta i flew out to atlanta to meet him and his team and he's the one that introduced me to where i where i invested was gary and then he allowed me to go up and meet his team wow and so i flew to gary met his team drove around everything and so my first experience was actually from a speaker that came through as Rhea. now okay. unfortunately awesome. that speaker didn't, didn't work out mm -hmm. but that's what got me into Gary okay. so awesome. now so now Greg I'm from Chicago and I know Gary is right across the border and Gary has sometimes similar dynamics as the south side of Chicago where it can be kind of rough how did you navigate how did you navigate that okay so so the funny thing is, is when I started doing research that's one of the things I looked at was crime statistics specifically violent crime Mm -hmm. And when I looked at the numbers, and again, this is back in 2014, I don't know what they reflect now, but back in 2014, 
per major crime, violent crime, it was actually safer in Gary than it was in Indianapolis. Okay. Which most hmm. people would have never have believed. Right. I didn't believe I it. Didn't, I didn't. And then back then at the time, you could also pull up Trulia. I don't know if you still can, but I don't know if that even site even the, exists the anymore maps. or whatever. You could look at the crime maps mm -hmm. and see all mm -hmm. the crimes. So you could actually go on there and see all the police reports. Nowadays, you can just use, the, what's that? I have it on my phone. It's the doorbell. It's Ring. Okay. So if you have Ring, you can pull the crime statistics right through Ring and get all, all, oh, wow. all of that. So I'm that. just pulling it right through Ring and get the area stuff. So, so I can get it there. But at the time, it was actually safer in Gary. So I was like, well, I was going to invest in Indianapolis. So why not Gary? Right, right. Cool. Okay. And then yeah, you can literally pull up the reports and go street by street. That's the thing is when you start getting to those type of areas, it's not really the area. It's not really the city. It's, it's not even so really hilarious. the subdivision. This is literally street by street. So you have to know mm -hmm. what the streets are. So we went in there and since we were doing a lot of tax sales, we did a ton of research because the way they did their tax sales. I literally know Gary better than I know Phoenix at this point. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's great, man. And, and things that I'm picking up and hopefully everyone listening is it's like, hey, saw a speaker at Ezria. I went and talked to them. Hey, my buddy in St. Louis said, hey, there's deals here. I got in a plane and I went there. Guy in Atlanta, uh, the guy yep. you met, went to Atlanta, Absolutely. went to Gary. You just went. You just yep. did it. Like, you, that's just a huge part of it. Yeah. You have a vision, you have your end yeah, in mind, man. and you're going to figure out a way to get there. That's cool, what I was doing. Man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and speaking of that, when you were talking, what, a month ago, two months ago on stage when we were, when we were, because I was, I'm thinking about transitioning over into Indiana too, because I'm in Illinois and it's not a landlord friendly state. Right. So I was like, okay, I know Gary, I know Munster, Indiana, Hammond, all of those suburbs that lead up into Gary. So I don't ever know where I was going with that, but thank you. Because oh, right. yeah, I started, <laughs> I started looking into Gary and the Hammond and those areas over there. Right. Yeah. It's taken off. It's it's amazing what it's happened. From when I got to Gary in 2014, the way it looks today, it's a, it's a completely different city. I mean, even the locals are telling me I was nuts when I started investing there in 2014. Now those same people, they're telling me I was nuts. One of them actually lives in Gary now. Okay. Mm. So and that's all he does is 100% investing in Gary. Now he's actually done some investing in Florida now too. But I just think it's funny that somebody that told me to not do it Stay is now here, living yeah. in Gary, investing in Gary. So, yeah. Wow. So Cause, oh, no, I'm sorry. Cause I knew it from when Gary, from when I grew up because I had aunties and uncles that live in Gary and it was like, okay, you go over to Gary or certain parts you didn't go into if you wanted to do something you stay around miller beach stuff like that right. and now yeah i haven't been over there in in years and I need how far to is it it's not far it's 25 30 minutes from oh chicago. wow oh yeah, yeah we, really? we have we have a we have tenants that basically work in chicago yeah that oh, live, in, live in our, that. so a lot of rentals. people that that work in chicago they live in gary because the tax basis is a lot cheaper the, the laws are a lot you know less stringent than illinois so they'll live in indiana and commute to illinois makes sense and it's a lot cheaper i mean we have tenants yeah. they're paying twelve hundred dollars for a one-bedroom apartment in chicago and they're paying eight fifty nine hundred dollars for a nice three four bedroom house, house. Yep. with a bedroom and a, with a basement and a yard. Wow, absolutely. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Michael Jackson from Gary? I had <laughs> yeah. to ask. Like, yes, they've yeah, been yeah, to his house. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Is yeah. It, can you go That's, through his house or yeah, no? No, you can't go through the inside of the house, but oh, okay. you can drive. You can drive. You can stop. Mm -hmm. It's like a sightseeing place. Got mm -hmm. it. And that's the one 
one sightseeing place in Gary. Oh, so, <laughs> so when you come into town, you got to check out Michael Jackson's house. You, You'd be shocked how small that was. And I think yeah. that many people lived in the house. I saw the documentary. Oh, yeah. It's like the size of size this of room this almost. Yeah. It is, it's crazy. Yeah. Do, do you have any houses in that neighborhood? We have one not too far away, but that's that particular street and area. Got we it. don't we don't really invest yeah. in yeah. on that street. <laughs> but I'm just curious. Cool. Yeah, know the area. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking my rental description about close to Michael Jackson's uh, house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that'd be red flags for people that, that know the area. Yeah. Nope, yeah. don't want to be over there. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's street by street. So you just you gotta, really you gotta know you gotta know your stuff. And that's and you know what? And when you say street by street, that's really with most places in the Midwest. And we're and just to kind of recap guys, we're we're talking about investing out of state with Greg Slaughter. So you're here in Arizona. We're talking about investing in other states. And some of the things that you do have to be mindful about is you can't just say, All right, I can buy this property for thirty grand and I can rent it out for eight hundred. There's infinite amount of cash flow there. You know, that's not always the case. Like Greg say, you have to go and visit sometime state block by block and know exactly what you're getting into. Right. And to Mike's point, you better network. You better know someone mm -hmm. there that can give you yep. the down and out. So they got to tell you what streets to stay away from and on. And you got to do your research. Or you could end up in a similar situation like I was in St. Louis where I bought five properties, thought they were going to be great. And in six months, I haven't made any money. And it, was, it took me two years to liquidate those things. Wow. Yeah. And, and so I want I do want to go into like, how did you build your team? Because even when I was doing it all by phone from Arizona to Cleveland, and I can call, talk to one person and they'll say, oh, it's a great area. Next person, oh, you're going to get shot. So it's like, right. that's another tough part you got to feel out and who you're getting your information from. Right. Absolutely. Well, as in, in, you and I talked about this in, in the car going down to Tucson and back, but I'm a huge firm believer. And you guys heard, heard me say it on stage. I believe networking, networking, mm -hmm. networking. You cannot network enough. The most, in my opinion, the most successful people in this business are the best networkers. Yeah. You have to network. You have to get out there if you're trying to do this all by yourself. And quite frankly, that was my biggest mistake from from 1999 through 2010 when I filed for bankruptcy. I was one of those. I never went to Aria before then. I never did anything. I never. I, I was. I was one of those. I'm just going to go to conferences. I'm going to learn stuff. I'm going to read it on the line. I'm going to do it through books and do it all by myself. Mm. So my entire business changed when I started networking. So how I built my team was I like to fly. I like to meet people face to face because because yeah. through my Stephen Covey f days yep. and you learn that most most uh, most uh, communication is is not verbal. It's nonverbal. Exactly. So you I like to see the nonverbals and and I always wanted to go for the people that could, you know, the biggest bang for the buck. So I'd go in there and try to meet the Azria leader mm -hmm. or, or the real leader in that area, go meet with them. Is this someone that we could have a relationship mm -hmm. with? Can can I help them as much as they help me? So I always went there to see how I can help them. But at the same time, I wanted them to help me, of course, to help me in the in the directions right. or whatever, you know, so you got to go there to give. But at the same time, I went there to meet the most individuals that have the most contacts with people, point me in the right direction. The person that has the Ronzeria, they're going to know a lot of people, yep. right? Yep. I went and met with attorneys that owned title companies because they're going to know everybody does deals in that area, right? So mm -hmm. I saw, I literally, that was my, I went in there for a week and every single day and every single night, I took someone to lunch and I took someone to dinner and I made sure I took them and or their family with them. So it was a whole thing. So my nice. wife and I, literally that's all we did for a week. And that's how I got started. I just made sure I had all those appointments set up before I got there. And by the time I left town, I knew 
extremely influential people that I could call and they mm -hmm. could help point me in any direction that I needed to go. That's great, there man. I noticed that in the Midwest, like a lot of attorneys own title companies. What's, yes, that's a, that's a thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they don't. They, they have much smaller title companies there. It's not like in mm -hmm. Arizona, right. we have these huge, massive title companies. Big difference. It's yeah. a whole new world. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's that's a very small title. That's another thing too. We jokingly call it slow Ohio, right? So <laughs> it just, you know, when you look at these different states, people operate differently. The companies work differently. Right. So getting Cult, used to, culture is different. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the culture mm -hmm. is there. I mean. Uh, there's pluses and minuses to every culture, right? So the plus to me in the Midwest is that everybody is so, they're so friendly as far as that they all want to invite you over to their house. I mean, that's like mm -hmm. the thing in the Midwest. Okay. I don't, I don't, it, it was kind of weird for me because coming, from, I was born and raised in Arizona. You just don't do that in Arizona. Right? <laughs> right. Here, everybody goes out to someplace. You go out to yeah. a restaurant, you mm -hmm. go someplace. Like we don't go to each other's houses that often unless you're really close right, friends, right. right? But there, I mean, complete strangers are like, hey, why don't you come over to my house for dinner tomorrow night? You know, Kim and I, my wife, Kim and I were looking at each other like, is this, is this like normal? Or So it took us a little getting cool. used to it, but it's super cool. I, I enjoy it. Wow, man. Yeah, so networking is very, very important. So let's take a brief break and hear a word from my sponsors. And when we come back, we'll talk to Greg about what he's doing now and what he's doing next. One. Are your real estate dreams on hold? With work, kids, everything else going on, time is limited. Most days you feel like the world's on your shoulders. You might even say to yourself, if I just had someone to lean on and push me in the right direction, I know things would happen quicker. Well, then you need to check out the Deal Finders Club, a community of investors eager to close more deals, sign more contracts, and just get ahead in life. The DFC provides weekly coaching, thriving online community, and all the education you need to be confident. DFC is your fastest path to closing more deals. To learn more, head over to azdfc.com. That's azdfc.com. All right, guys, we are back with Greg Slaughter. And Greg, I know you've been talking about doing the rentals in Gary, Indiana. How many rentals do you have over there and how are you managing those? Well, we bought them all through the tax sales. So we bought about 230, 235 all through the tax sales. We rehab them all. Actually, I got about 17 left. So we rehab them all, basically make them brand new, and then we rent them out. Now, I kept a, a large chunk of those. At the same time, what I did is once flipping here started cooling off back in 2016, 17, or whatever, as far as spreads, it's getting mm -hmm. hot again or whatever. But there was a period where it kind of slowed down a little bit. I had so many people ask me whether or not they could buy rentals in Gary. And so I started offering some turnkeys at the time. I don't do that anymore or whatever. So, so I just allowed some of my friends that I knew personally to invest with me in Gary. And so I manage theirs as well as part of the turnkey. So right now we manage about, and we sold some off. So I manage 162 homes right now, I think, in Gary. So how are you managing, property managing 162 homes across country and you're not physically there? Good question. Yeah. I don't use property management company. I, whenever I go into a new area, I always start out with a property management company, but I already have my end in mind that I'm not going to be keeping them. So I'm going to be doing my own in-house stuff. Reason being is because I do things so differently and I come from corporate America and systems and all that kind of stuff. And in my opinion, this entire industry is flawed. So I don't, I, I think there's a lot of good property managers that they're doing the best they can, and, uh, but it just doesn't meet 
what I believe is the ultimate goal, which is what's best for the investor. Because the way the business is designed, and it's a business. I mean, this is the United States of America, mm -hmm. right? They deserve to make a profit. Right. But the way they make a profit is by taking money out of the investor's pocket. So whenever the investor loses, the property manager wins. So right. that's every time something breaks down, they charge you extra for that. You know, if you go through an eviction, they charge you extra for that. So every time something bad happens, all they're doing is just adding on to the pain, right? right. And that's very painful. And what I found statistically myself doing my own research, talking to a lot of people, is that even though they'll tell you they only cost you 8, 10, 12%, I believe they cost you closer to 30% by the time you add in all the extra fees, the extra vacancies, everything. So I factored that 30%. So I, that's what I tell everybody is if you can afford 30%, then use a property manager, but just understand that the national statistic is you're going to be replacing that property manager every two years. That is a national statistic that we wow. replace property managers every two years. So, and the reason being is, is we just get so frustrated with them. So just understand it is what it is. They're doing the best they can. They're doing what the industry teaches and those are the stats. So just run with them. Wow. I don't want to run with those. 30% was too big of a chunk yeah. for me to, to swallow. So I manage all my own properties. So to answer your question directly, how do I manage it myself? Is I just created my own property management company, but I just manage my, my own properties there. Okay. So, okay. and how many, is it a lot of work or there's a lot of properties you have there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I have three, I obviously got to have somebody with boots on the ground. Okay. So to manage 160 properties, I have three people with boots on the ground. So I do not believe in employees. So they are not employees of mine. So what I did is they're all 1099 contractors. Mm -hmm. And what I do is I allow them to partake. I set up the company. So I take 10% of all the rents, just like a normal property management company would, but that's the only fees the company charges. So I do pay 10% into that. And then they get, uh, they get a percentage of that 10%. So uh -huh. that split between the three people. So that way they have a vested interest to make sure the tenant stays, make sure the tenant pays, and there's no interest or they get they get paid nothing if something breaks oh, down. Yeah. They get paid nothing for evictions. In fact, they lose money if the tenant doesn't pay rent and they lose money because if the rents don't come in, it affects their paycheck as well. So we've created this process where we are working together. So help me understand it because I want to make sure I didn't miss it. So you take 10% of your monthly rents, rent, set it to the side, and that's for your 1099 subcontractors, basically. Yeah, they get a percentage of that, not 100% of it because okay. it's a small percentage that goes to actually run the business. So I actually created a whole separate LLC. It's, it's an actual... A property nice. management company, but it only manages my own properties. Okay. So, but it's legally, it is a property management company. So now you can do that whether you have one or two properties or 162, because I'll do it wherever I'm at in, in the country, I'll do the same thing. So even when I'm first starting out, I'll do that. Okay. Because that's what I was looking at for somebody that, you know, your boots on the ground, if they just say, if you got one or two properties and you only grossing or netting 400 bucks a month, Will they stay around for no forty bucks? Yeah, no, <laughs> you know? no. When you when you have small, like for example, in Nevada, we had a couple of properties in Nevada. So the the process there was, I would work with the individuals that lived on the street. So they would be my quote unquote employees because they had a vested interest right. in that property, right? So it's particularly the next door neighbor or the house next door. So I'd go there, I'd introduce myself, explain to them what I wanted to do. And then I allow them to participate in helping pick the tenant. So I could still run all the ads. I could still do all the screening and everything, but they would be the ones doing the showing and I allow them to have input. And I allowed to have input via score sheet. So that way it wasn't just an opinion. Right. They actually got to score the tenant out and everything. And they felt like they had control over who their neighbor was. This really worked particularly well when they just had bad people living there. 
Okay. Right. So, right. <laughs> so, and it's amazing when you just go ask questions back to the networking, mm -hmm. right? You just start knocking on doors and networking and say, Hey, I just bought this house. How, how are the last tenants? Most of the time you're buying another rental property, right? Right. So how are the tenants? Oh, they're off or whatever. Then that's your doorway. That's your segment. in. I was like, well, how would you like to participate? How would you like to help out to make sure that you get the right tenant in there this time? So that way you can have some of that you like and enjoy in the neighborhood. So. Right. We could go that angle too. So that's how we Perfect. took care of our properties. I mean, it's a funny story. I was using a property manager company to manage one of my properties in, in, in Las Vegas. And I got so upset with him on the phone. I fired him literally on the phone and said, I'll be there. I hung up the phone, told him, and this house had been vacant. This was probably in 2001, I think, somewhere in there. It was in the early 2000s. I guess I fired him over the phone and said, I'll be there in about six hours to pick up the keys. I literally told Kim, I'm going up there and I'm going to pick up the keys and I'm just going to do this myself. And she goes, when are you going to come back? I said, I'll be back as soon as I rent this thing out. I'm not working with private management companies anymore. And that was literally how I, start, I started doing this myself. And I flew up, I, I, I drove up there, got mm -hmm. the keys, started knocking on doors, talked to neighbors, long story short. They, they knew somebody that was looking to rent a property. I rented that thing out in 48 hours on a two-year lease for like $100 more than the property manager company was trying to, and it was vacant for six months. Wow. I did it in 48 hours Go and drove her. back. Yeah. But that's because you walked the neighborhood. You got a chance to know the neighbors and everything like that. Right. And I'm pretty sure the property managers just did it in the paper or put it online or something like that and screen tenants that way. Exactly. Applicants. That's yep. amazing. Man. And one thing I'm catching, another thing I'm catching, you mentioned Kim a lot. Yeah. Sounds like she's been around every step of the way. Yes. That's well, all. once she got on board. Once she got on board. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't, she was, a lot of people are, are hung up on security. You know, the Robert mm -hmm. Kiyosaki, which yeah, poor dad with the security. My wife was all security. We joke about it to this mm -hmm. day. And uh, she had no interest in me leaving my job. Zero. Like I said, it almost caused a divorce. But at the point in time, I knew what I wanted to do, and and probably not the, you, probably right? not in the best advice in the world. But at this point, I basically told her to get on the bus or get off the bus because this bus is leaving. And I told her at the time as I go, I don't care if I have to sell everything we own and go live under a bridge. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm doing for the rest of my life is real estate investing because I'm not going yeah. back to corporate America. And so it took her a little while. What, how she started getting on board was when we started going on vacations, right? So mm -hmm. when you start getting a payoff, <laughs> what so, do we oh, got to do? This stuff's do? not yeah. so bad anymore, right? <laughs> so you start doing some deals like, oh, that December when I made more money in a month than we made in a year, it's like, oh, maybe this isn't so bad. That's awesome. But I was giving up the company car. I was giving up stock options, paid vacations. I mean, I gave mm -hmm. up a lot. Wow. So it took her a little while to get on board. But to your point, yes, once you got on board, uh, we work together, literally work together 24-7 almost. I mean, very rarely are we apart. Mm -hmm. We try to at least once a year, maybe for a couple of days, I go do something and she goes do does something. But mm -hmm. other than that, we're together in this business. So I, I'm a big day. believer in having your spouse on board to what you're mm -hmm. doing, whether they work with you or, or not, and just support your journey. Marcus, I'm, I'm sure you're same. in the same boat. Any any tips to someone struggling with the spouse or, or, or working with the spouse and going through some tough times with real estate? Well, I hate to beat a, beat a drum, but begin yeah. with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. And I and this is one of the biggest challenges that, that my wife had, is that when you're in business and you're in corporate America, there can only be one person in charge. Mm. Ultimately, somebody has to make that final decision. Yep. Everything you can communicate and get opinions and all that, but at the end of the day, someone has to be in charge. Yeah. So what I tell couples today, and the same thing that I told Kim back then, is like there's only one person in charge. We can talk about things, but at the end of the day, only one person in charge, and that's me. 
because mm-hmm. I have the business background. I've been running businesses since I was 17 years old. I'm ultimately going to make the final decision. Mm-hmm. And that didn't go over real well at first as well. But to the, that's, but today, it works great. Yeah. Yeah. I tell young couples or couples getting into real estate, if you're going to work together, you have to have that conversation up front. And both people have to be willing to understand somebody ultimately has to be in charge. Yeah. I think the other thing that's really critical, really critical is understand that each of you have different strengths and each of you have different weaknesses, right? You need to determine what your strengths are and stay in your lane. There are things that Kim is better at than I am. Yeah. And there are things that I am better at than she is. I have to understand what she's good at and stay out of her lane. And she has to understand what I'm good at and stay out of my lane. Love it. And we play good cop, bad cop. So for example, I'm all business. So it's mm-hmm. like either it's done or it's not done. So when we work with contractors, I go in there and it's either done or it's not done yeah. and it's all business, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I can chit chat and everything, but that's after business right, is done, right? right? Yeah. My wife is the exact opposite. She's all about family and their kids and all that kind of stuff. So it's a great tandem to play good cop, mm-hmm. bad cop, because I can really rile someone up, you know, quite frankly, <laughs> piss them off really bad. Yeah. But she's she the soft person. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. so it's it's a great tandem. So just because you guys have different strengths and weaknesses, use that to your advantage, figure mm-hmm. out how to use that to your advantage and use it. Love it, man. Great advice. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So, oh, sorry, Marcus. I was just going to say that's that's best, you know, yeah. and, and that's something that couples sometimes they don't do is they don't look at their their relationship and say, hey, what what area am I deficient in and what area is she good in or vice versa? And I'm gonna play up her role because Bingo. I know that she she's great at that. Like with me, when it comes to health stuff, when it comes to speaking with doctors and all, I don't have time for that. I'm wanna handle the business. She take care of that because she's good with people. She's, you know, yes, I can chit chat with people and I'm good with people, but her, I mean, before I met my wife, and I can honestly say that, I was like, you great, all business. Cut to the point, hey, it's either done or not. And then she was like, Marcus, you got to have a little bit of gray area. And I'm like, why? You know, this is a business transaction. Either it's done or it's not done. And then so she, she slowly but surely molded me. But yeah, I, I noticed you have to understand your strengths and your weaknesses. Absolutely. And when you acknowledge acknowledge it, it actually, mm-hmm. it not only helps the business, but it helps your relationship because now you're talking about things that are positive. Yep. So you respect and appreciate what and the value that they bring. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good stuff, man. So let's, let's support Kim. Right. So what, what does she got going oh, on? Oh, okay. Well, I, my passion is, is investing and mm-hmm. cash flow and all that. Well, her passion is animals. Mm-hmm. So she's, because of the situation that we're in, she's able to start, she started her nonprofit. Okay. So she's got a nonprofit called Together Saving Paws. And it's pretty cool what she's doing. I, I really respect, I really respect what she's doing. And so what she does is she goes and rescues dogs mm-hmm. and then she gets them trained as, as uh, empathy dogs or are they called empathy dogs? Empathy dogs? I'm drawing a blank what they're called. Where they work with you so so to help you feel relaxed with PTSD okay. or whatever. Yep. What's that called? Is that empathy dogs? We should know as landlords. Uh, I'm sorry, I, Kim, I know if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, but anyway, so she gets them trained. And then what she does is she works with women and children that have come out of human trafficking mm-hmm. and are in a horrible, horrible situation. And they obviously need unconditional love. So she takes that dog and she teams it up with someone that comes out of human trafficking and helps with the recovery phase. Mm. So it's a beautiful thing yeah. because it's helping the survivors of human trafficking as well as it's 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 keeping a dog alive that otherwise uh-huh. would have been euthanized or whatever. So 
she provides all the funds to for, to get the dog tr saved, trained, and then teamed up with a human trafficking mm -hmm. survivor. Is that just in Arizona or? No, it's nationwide. So yeah, she, wow. it's going nationwide. Uh, mm -hmm. She's doing a great job with it. She actually just recently teamed up with, with some individuals that own helicopters and planes. So they're, now they're providing free travel for the dogs wow. as part of the nonprofit. Wow. She's working with OUR, Operation Underground Railroad, which mm -hmm. is one of the biggest yeah. human trafficking rescuers in the world. So become working with Tim Ballard and that group there. So yeah, it's, it's going well. Yeah, I thought that was, that was a great program or foundation. And uh, yeah, so how do how do we learn more? Yep, just go to togethersavingpaws.org. Okay, cool. So just go to her website. Yeah, she's looking for volunteers. Cool. Uh, we're also looking for someone that uh, can help with fundraising. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wants to volunteer and be a fundraiser, uh, help put together a, a fundraiser, she could certainly use some help with that. And then just obviously just donations or whatever. But, cool, that's awesome. And that's, and that's basically really what it's all about. I mean, you, you, you make the money, use real estate as a vehicle to make the money so you can in turn help somebody else with it. You know, it's not always me, 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 give me all that I could get, but you want to be able to dispense that out to other people that, that really needs it. So man, kudos to yeah. you, Greg, kudos to Kim for all that you guys are doing. Oh, thanks. That's great. Yeah, no, it's fun. So she gets to do what her passion is. I get to do what my passion is. So my passion is helping people. So now I'm basically in that phase of my life where I'm trying to help people as well. Okay, great. Awesome. So, so great. How do, how do we reach you? How do we find you? Because I know that you're, you're in the business of helping people do what you do also. So kind of tell us a little bit about that before we wrap up here. Right. Okay. So when I turned 50, I don't know if most people don't know this, but Kim and I, we lost our daughter. So, and we weren't able to have any other children. So we don't really have any, we have, we spoil the crap out of our nieces and nephews. So we're the cool aunt and uncle, but other than that, we don't have anybody to leave anything to or anything like that. So when I turned 50, things started changing in life. You start thinking about why are you really here type of thing? What's your legacy? I can't possibly be here just to have a bunch of rental properties and travel the world. I mean, that can't be what life's about. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's fun, but there's gotta be more to it. And so I set out a goal to try to help 1 million people and invest in real estate and that kind of stuff. So one of the things I'm doing is helping, property management is a huge issue, in my opinion, especially for those that are just getting started out because they can't afford that 30%. So what I did is I tried to put all my knowledge together, put it all, basically created a franchise because I come from McDonald's, right? And I'm a systems guy, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of mine. So I put a whole thing together and I'm really trying to help people able to manage their own property, self-manage their own properties and save that 30%. So I put a whole program together and did that. And, and that's how I'm helping people. Wow. Wow. That's that excellent. Hand. Excellent. So Greg, how can we reach you? You can, well, you can just go to my own website, gregslaughter.com. I also have a lot of free videos that you just, if you just go to selfmanagingyourrentals.com, there's free videos on there basically talking about what I do, sharing with you with what I do. There's going to be probably another 10 to 15 videos I'll be dropping on there in the next 30 to 60 days uh, we'll be putting on there. So just trying okay. to get, get, I'm just trying to share information at this point in my life. I just want to help people. Okay. Give awesome. us those, give us those websites one more time. Okay. It's selfmanagingyourrentals.com and there's just free videos there. And if you want to learn more about my program, just go to gregslaughter.com. Okay. And we'll make sure we have those, those in the show notes and so you yep. guys can go and explore further. Well, Greg, thank you so much. God bless you. Tell Kim, thank you for allowing you to come to the show on today. Any last words and party? No, man. Thanks for being here, Greg. It's 
been great to get to know you lately. So yeah, thanks for supporting us, Rhea, always. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I love Rhea. I've been a part of Rhea since I think 2010 or right after I filed for bankruptcy, I think was when I went to my first meeting. So okay. <laughs> one, one of the best decisions I made. So, uh, so thanks. Thanks. Thank you guys. Awesome. There you go. So guys, if you need more information, go to azria.org. That's azria.org to get more information about all the RIA has to offer. There's tons of classes, there's tons of networking events. So come every week, almost every week, there's two or three classes that you can come and check out. So again, that's azria.org. And you guys know what to do. Signing off, get out there and take massive action. Thanks for listening to the Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, Head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.